Welcome to another edition of Summer School, the series in which we speak to broadcasters representing SU's opponents in the upcoming football season. Today we're with John Laser, the play-by-play broadcaster of Virginia Tech football. John, thanks so much for being with me today. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be with you. And it's year number six in Blacksburg for head coach Justin Fuente. Four bowl appearances in five years for the head man, though only three seasons in which the Hokies finished above 500. Fuente looks to lead VT through a pretty rigorous schedule. You guys start the year with UNC, then a couple weeks later take on West Virginia and then Notre Dame before heading into the heat of conference play. Needless to say, it'll be no cakewalk for the Hokies this season. What about Coach Fuente would you say makes him the right man for the job? Well, what's really interesting about his time here is, of course, it started with a Coastal Division title his first year and then nine wins his second year. And you mentioned the bowl appearances. And he's been very candid about it. He's like, look, when I got here, this was not a very deep football roster. The last few years of Coach Beamer's tenure, it kind of got that way. Recruiting had slipped off and people were negatively recruiting against his age and things like that. And he's been very candid, Coach Fuente, that is, in talking about, look, you didn't hire me for the first two years. You hired me for the years we're about to go through which were 18 and 19, where this team was just really young, was really undersized, and just didn't look like a Virginia Tech defense, quite frankly. Um, and that last year was going to be the turning of the corner, where you had a really talented and experienced roster, and then COVID, and departures, and opt-outs, and injuries, and all those things, and it just kind of got derailed. So nobody's hiding from the fact, including Coach Fuente, that this is a make-or-break year. And yes, it's going to be against that schedule that you just mentioned and yes by the midway point of the season I think you're going to have a very good idea as to whether the Justin Fuente tenure will continue in Blacksburg or whether it will not and that could be the elephant in the room that nobody talks about except for the fact that he's exceptionally candid and you can see it in his attitude you know he's a football guy at the end of the day as cliche as that is and he understands you know, you have to win or it's not going to be acceptable and in year six uh, that's not been something that's been a stated mandate but I think everybody and their brother knows it to be the case. Well, you took the words right out of my mouth. At the ACC season kickoff in Charlotte, he talked about his job and how it's changed over time. He said, quote, you didn't bring me here for the past two years. You brought me for the future. It's starting to be an older team. I'm excited to see this football team play. What can you say about what he's done to build this group under his tenure and what he's done in terms of scouting to to fix what had happened in the past? What has he done to make these guys ready and what has he done to make them exciting this season? Well, again, I think what you have to be to be successful as a college football coach or college anything coach at this point is adaptable because his point was right. You know, and I've been here six years. This will be my seventh. And the landscape of college athletics, in particular football, is wildly different than it was even in 2015. So whatever plan he may have had when he got here in 2016, you have to adjust and adapt off of that. And, of course, nobody saw COVID coming and with the roster maintenance and guys have an extra year and all of those things. So to answer your question, what he's done is remade the staff and made it useful. And him and I talk about it a lot. You know, when I got here, we had Times New Roman oak pictures on the wall, and it looked like 1970, quite frankly, in the athletics building, the recruiting department was not up to par with what other places were doing, including Clemson, who just now has this miles lead in terms of where their program is. And everything needed to be modernized, the facilities, the way that they communicate, the way that they recruit, where their presence was on social media, all of that stuff, you know, the way they eat, where they eat, uh, you know, just the diet dietitians. So, you know, him and I have had candid conversations at times about, hey, man, like, 
you might only be eventually remembered as the transition guy, but that won't mean that you didn't have a positive impact on Virginia Tech football because it needed to happen. So I think we're all hoping, uh, you know, candidly, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, I am really hoping that we win this year, not for our own selfish purposes, but because we can see that. We can see that evolution behind the scenes and know it's about to turn the corner, and sometimes the public can't see that. And a lot of that winning is going to be on the shoulders of the quarterback position. It's the first full season we're getting to see of Braxton Burmeister, the redshirt junior Oregon transfer. He first played for the Hokies last year, splitting time with Hendon Hooker. Six games that were not all that remarkable. He showed some flashes of promise, like his performance against Clemson, in, in which he was 10 of 12, uh, or against Virginia, when he went 15 for 22 with over 200 yards plus a touchdown. What should we expect from the Virginia Tech quarterback position this season? Yeah, I would actually disagree with the fact that it wasn't remarkable. Again, it's something where you look at it from the outside and you have no idea what's going on on the inside. Sure. He played a few of those games with three broken toes, uh, which took away his ability <laughs> to run, which essentially makes him one-dimensional uh, and forced him to stay in the pocket, which is not his game. People forget NC State came in last week off an extremely impressive performance in their first game, and everyone thought, oh, wow, here comes the Wolfpack. Uh, Braxton Burmeister carved up that defense. They absolutely routed that team and that was a situation where Virginia Tech was down 25 players due to COVID and only had one defensive coach who by the way was coaching in his first game and he's the DB's coach and he was wow. calling the defense uh, it only got worse from there the next week we were down 27 guys I believe the North Carolina game where Braxton eventually ceded the job to Hendon was the game he got hurt in uh, people think he got benched. He didn't. He actually had his foot stepped on by an offensive lineman in the second quarter uh, and broke three toes, as I mentioned. So he comes back later in the season, uh, just absolutely destroyed Virginia in a game that the Hokies uh, were not favored in. Um, I think, quite frankly, in my seven years, he's the most talented quarterback in terms of throwing the football that we've had. Wow. He's actually the fastest player on the team, uh, and he's flying under the radar. So uh, to be honest about it, uh, I think everyone feels really good about Brad. And now the counter to that is the quarterback room is not nearly as deep as it was when Hendon and Quincy were there and you have unproven commodities behind him. So I've got my fingers crossed literally right now, Matt, uh, hoping that he stays healthy. <laughs> And his biggest target this season comes in the form of tight end James Mitchell, a guy who's able to get it all done at that position. He can pass block, run block, and of course transform into a sensational pass catcher when this team needs him to be. He mentioned earlier this year that he added about 8 to 10 pounds to his six foot three frame. Also, he said he's the strongest he's ever been. How scared should defenses be when having to line up against this monster tight end? Well, and it's not just James. You know, he added that weight because that was the information he got back from the NFL scouts, which is what players do now. You know, what do I need to do to be at the next level? And they said, look, you're obviously a phenomenal pass catcher. You can split out wide. You can almost be a wide receiver, kind of in the mold of Travis Kelsey. But in the NFL, you're going to be pulled in, quite frankly, a lot, and you're going to be asked to block. So, uh, yeah, they should. It's a matchup problem. But the reason he's a matchup problem is because you bring in Jade Payud, who is pretty much the same size. Honestly, he's not listed the same way, uh, but can jump out of the building, and you have to deal with him and Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson in the slot. So there should be a lot of one-on-one -on -one mismatches where James is up against the linebacker who's trying to trail him down the field, uh, and that's not going to work for defenses. 
And as for the running game, Khalil Herbert was obviously the big story last season. The now Chicago Bear was brilliant out of the backfield for the Hokies. Over 1,300 yards from scrimmage along with nine touchdowns. He was pretty much the beating heart of the offense at times. Without him, the ball-carrying keys are passed down to Raheem Blackshear, who transferred from Rutgers last season, as well as Jalen Holston, who is entering his fifth year in Blacksburg. Both Blackshear and Holston were relatively effective with the snaps they saw in 2020. In 2021, should we expect to see a huge jump in production from those two, or will the run game just mellow out for Virginia Tech? Well, I think this is going to be a team that throws it a lot more than they did last year. And the reason they didn't throw it is because they didn't need to. Because as you pointed out, Khalil Herbert was just a monster out of the backfield. What I've always appreciated about Brad Cornelson, the offensive coordinator, is that he adapts his offense to his personnel. Last year was more run-heavy because you had that asset this year. I don't think you're going to match the production, but it's not going to be a negative. It's going to be because you're throwing the ball quite a bit more. But to Jalen Holston, again, he's a guy that people have kind of forgotten about. He was the starting running back in 2019 and looked good against Boston College in the opener and unfortunately he broke his foot on the first Mm -hmm. series of the season and lost the job uh, due to a variety of factors eventually to Khalil Herbert. What I hope and what the coaching staff hopes that he took away from Khalil's time here is Jalen Holston's every bit as the equal to Khalil athletically but what he's lacked in the past and what a lot of running backs lack and people don't really notice about Khalil it was his vision it was his patience it was his waiting you know think Le'Veon Bell back when he was actually good waiting for that hole to open up and Jalen you know he's been a bit impatient he takes the carries and yes he's had success and that's due to his strength and he can push a pile forward but if he'd wait for the holes to open up uh, he could be that productive type of guy it's going to be more committee though you mentioned Raheem Blackshear he was a guy that really was hurt by COVID because one, he had it, and two, uh, he was coming from Rutgers and never really got to learn the offense in terms of what his role was going to be in it. So he's going to be involved uh, in a name no one's talking about that I think will eventually be not the bell cow of the backfield, but get the majority of the carries is Marco Lee, uh, who came in from junior college last year and is just an absolute load. Gotcha. Uh, As for this defense, it's not necessarily the strongest unit. The Hokies were 82nd out of 128 teams last season in terms of opponents' points per game. Which are some names that you think could possibly lead this unit towards success in 2021? Well, again, I kind of wish that everyone would just take 2020 and throw it out the window into the dumpster uh, because you really can't look at that. I mean, you go back at it, and if people that are willing to take the time to investigate it, Justin Hamilton, his first year taking over for Bud Foster, gets no spring camp, gets no fall camp to put his defense in. Uh, Then his top cornerback, who's a first-round pick, opts out a couple of weeks before the season. His other top cornerback breaks his foot. So now we're down to freshman uh, morning of the first game literally at the team hotel Justin Hamilton gets tapped on the shoulder and told he has COVID so he misses his first two games along with the rest of the defensive staff he comes back in time to face one of the best aerial offenses in the country in North Carolina and oh by the way you're going to do that without any of your starting secondary Uh, which again we're not the original starters you were down five DBs and two safeties in that game and obviously you give up 56 points so uh, this is actually a very talented and experienced defense that uh, I expect to be in the top 20 of those statistical categories this year. 
And cornerback Chamari Connor is probably one of the most fun and exciting parts of this defense. He returns as arguably the best player it has to offer, and joining him is a lot of depth in that secondary. He mentioned at the ACC kickoff that this team's death, depth is what excites him, especially at the safety position. Uh, Connor will rise into more of a leadership role as a junior this year. With that being said, do you expect him to evolve as a sort of superstar for this defense? I think he already has been. Quite frankly, he led the team in tackles last year. Uh, again, a very disjointed season defensively, but he's right in what he said down in Charlotte. Jermaine Waller comes back. He's going to probably be a top top two-round NFL pick after the season. The good thing about last year was you were forced to start guys that had no business being on the field, and one of them blossomed into a legitimate star, and that was Dorian Strong, who wound up being a freshman All-American. So he'll start alongside him, and that's going to allow Connor to be the free hitter, which is really his pedigree as a defensive player. So, yeah, he's going to uh, continue to emerge, uh, and unfortunately, Unfortunately, this will be his last year here because he's even though he's a junior, uh, because he'll get, like I said, he'll get drafted very high after the season. And my last question for you, John: If Virginia Tech is to succeed this season, it will be because of who? Braxton Burmeister. Uh, I know that's the obvious answer as the at the quarterback position, but if they're going to succeed this year, he's got to stay healthy. And sometimes the obvious answer is the right one. John, thank you so much for taking the time with me today. If you want to follow John, head over to Twitter at LazeVT. That's L-A-Z-E-V-T. For more of our coverage, go to orangefizz.net or at orangefizz on Twitter. I'm Matt Bonaparte. See you next time.